episode two of the Football Attic Podcast with me, Rich Johnson. And me, Chris Oakley. And how are you, Chris? I'm, uh, I'm pretty good, thanks. Yes, it's uh, nice to be back, um, I think, to be fair, perhaps a little sooner than we planned. As we said before, this is only going to be an occasional series, but um, it's, it went so well last time, it's nice to be back again comparatively soon after the last one. Indeed, uh, that's the first thing that I was going to say this week. It was a big thank you to everyone who did download uh, last week's podcast. Absolutely. And uh, and certainly those who sent words of encouragement. The ones who sent death threats, uh, I'm not too keen on, but... <laughs> yeah. um, Please it's, only to, it's only to be expected, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a first attempt, you know. We, there's still some rough edges, but stick with it; it'll be fine. But please don't. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 exactly. You know, because then you won't get an episode three. Although, depending on how this one goes, maybe you won't want that. <laughs> um, so yeah, a big thank you to everyone that sent us uh, sort of pleasing words and and things like that. And uh, so here we are again, back for episode two. And yes. this week, uh, we, as mentioned at the end of last week's episode. We are going to talk about computer games. Mm. Fantastic. Um, Looking forward to this. Yeah, and me. Um, just we have to think about things to say now. Um, <laughs> so I'll start with the first question that I've got here, Chris. And what was the first ever computer game, a football computer game, that you actually played? Uh, well, um, visitors to uh, thefootballattic.com will have seen my recent article on Football Manager, which is it's the first football game, uh, computer game that I ever owned on the first computer I ever owned because um, back in probably about 82 I would imagine it must have been I uh, was the grateful recipient of a Sinclair ZX Spectrum which my mum and dad um, scrimped and saved to, to get for me for which I've always been eternally grateful um, and uh, I ended up getting Football Manager and I was thinking about this actually just in the last day or two um, I think my copy of Football Manager was exactly that. It was a copy, which is I'm ashamed to say, but um, you have to realise that back in the day, of course, all software was on cassette, which was <laughs> absolute. Yeah, pirate copies were rife. If you had like a, a tape to tape recorder of some sort, or uh, this is or, true. I I only discovered that very late on for years. <laughs> um, I I didn't realise that, and then I suddenly thought one day, what would happen if you actually just literally tape to tape and it turns out it works except <laughs> except for on Air Combat Emulator which didn't work which I was gutted about because it was a great game not football yeah. related obviously it was a flight sim well take note everyone just in case you're thinking of copying yeah. <laughs> if you have a computer in your garage or something um, yeah so um, I, must, I think I'm, I don't remember buying it so I must have had a copy from some illicit source um, but that was the first game I played and I just thought it was amazingly Addictive, and yet when you look at it, obviously through our 2012 eyes. Sorry, no, I don't mean we've got 2000 <laughs> eyes embedded in our head. Um, it obviously seems very crude and basic by today's standards, but of course that was those were the limitations that you had back then. Um, so it was it was largely a text-based game. Um, for those people who still don't know, after all these years, what 30 years after it came out, um, it's basically it was written by a guy called Kevin Toms, and it was. The deal was you, you picked a team to play as, so for me that was always West Ham, was my team, and then you got this motley crew of <clears throat> players, and you wouldn't get necessarily, um, say, a squad of 15 West Ham players, it was just any old players that they could think of, or that Kevin Toms could think of, so I think, you know, in goal it would have been some like Phil Parks, which conveniently, who he was a West Ham goalkeeper at the time, but then in defence you'd have people like, <clears throat> excuse me, Russell Osman, or... Uh, Dave Watson and people like that and in midfield uh, I don't know Graham Ricks and up front it could be anybody like Cyril Regis um, 
Kevin Keegan and, and all kinds of players. It was just a wonderful kind of snapshot of the, the players of the day. And um, they they were all rated on things like, I think there's three criteria. It was, it was skill, uh, morale, and uh, energy. And so you had to kind of pick your best starting 11 for each match within a, within a, a league campaign. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, you, so you, you pick your team, and sometimes you could sell play, a player or buy one. And then you'd sit back and watch this kind of, and I use the term advisedly, an, an animated match highlight sequence, which was the only kind of graphical element of the game. But basically, you would sit there and watch a series of shots on goal at one end of the pitch or the other. Your team would be playing in either black or white. You had the choice at the beginning of the game, and that was about all you got. There was no kind of <laughs> customising team strips. We'll probably come on to that shortly. Um but um, and then there was this seemingly random number of excuse the motorbike going past my house at this juncture. <clears throat> didn't tell you I'd live. Didn't tell you I live near um, Brands Hatch. <laughs> I did wonder. I thought you were standing <laughs> some sound effects in for the, for the hell actually, of it and and hit the wrong button. Obviously, <laughs> I am actually riding along the M1 on my motorbike as we speak. He lied. Um, <laughs> so where was I? Yes. So um, there was this seemingly random number of shots on goal for both teams, and you didn't ever quite know when it would stop because when it stopped, it would give you the final score. And then you knew whether you'd won the match or not, and then the whole process would be repeated. But because there was that seemingly random element, it was really exciting because you might get your team might have say five shots on goal, of which one or two might go in, maybe, and then it would go up to the other end of the pitch. It would redraw the the pitch, and you'd get the opponent's team, and um, they might have only two shots, or they might have six shots. You just didn't know. And um, Kevin Toms, who wrote the game, he did evidently create this algorithm which would work out based on all the criteria and the ratings of, of both teams it would try and um, reflect those ratings but then there was also that extra element of you know anything could happen which I suppose is is reflective of the, the actual game of football itself um, and that was it you just repeated that and you would play game after game after game trying to win the league you started in division four and would have to work your way up and you'd have FA Cup matches. This was in the day when you could just throw around terms like FA Cup and Football League, and there was no no possibility that you might get taken to court over it. It was happy days. <laughs> um, so, in essence, it was a very basic game. The graphics were very crude. There was hardly any noise, uh, any any sound in it at all, and yet it was incredibly addictive to the point where I can remember. I think I might have said this in the article I wrote on on the uh, on the blog site. I can remember a few friends of mine. We were all standing around in school one day at age, I don't know, 11 or 12, and we all realised that we all had a copy of this game, but some of us had it on Spectrum, some of us were playing it on Commodore 64 and so on. So somebody said, why don't we all go home tonight, play the game, write down all the scores from the matches, and then we'll come in tomorrow and we'll kind of compare and see how we did and see who's doing well in the league table and all that kind of thing. Sounds pathetic, I know, but it was a kind of... That was, that was early social gaming, what you were talking about there. And um, we probably only did that for like a day or two, but it was just... It, that is really a, a, the essence of the fun nature of the game because you it was you, you would just play one game to the next. Can I win the next game? Can I get a few places higher up the table? And um, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful game. And um, my final word, you'll be happy to hear on this, is that a testament to the quality of the game, really, for what it was, is that years after the whole home computing boom happened... Um, shops like WH Smith were still selling units of of this game in their thousands. It was just an incredibly popular game for a long time. It was, it was an absolute classic, and, it, and obviously, it's still held in high regard by people like myself. 
But this this was when you think about it, this was also in the days yeah. before um like FIFA where you'd get yeah. a brand new release every year. <laughs> which in effect doesn't really add much every year, just the correct player names, etc. Yeah. But like you said, the, the key that I always found when playing football management games was just the addictive nature of it. I mean yes. I used to play Premier Manager and I, I mean, I, I think I bought that in the summer holidays one year, and I just wasted that entire. I say wasted; it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I would just literally get up in the morning, switch the PC on, put Premier Manager on, and that would be it. The day would be gone. I mean, because it, like you say, it's that one more game thing. Because yeah. you get back, and the, there's usually like a couple of faxes or something from the manager, or, or from the chairman of the club, or something like that. Or you've got some new advertising hoardings to fill up, <laughs> and it's just ridiculous. These little minutiae. Uh, um, of things that you can do, and and you think, oh, I'll just do that, I'll just do that, and then you think, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll just, and then you buy a new player or you put a new formation in or something. You think, well, I'll just see how it goes, you know. So you play the match and then you win. You think, oh, all right, another step up the league, eh? and then you think, oh, I've got a cup match next, so I'll just play that, and then it's just, and before you know it, it's suddenly gone dark and, and it's time to go to bed again. <laughs> yes, that would you yeah, hit the nail on the head there, really. I mean, as you say, the the fact that. Um, because it was probably going to be the only version of that game you could ever expect to get for a few years, um, you kind of had to make do with it. And if and if it had an addictive quality, then you know that was that was all you needed, really. Um, so, I mean, that was a great game. Did, did, did you say last week that you actually owned Football Manager, or did you not? I didn't own Football Manager, and I I didn't have any um, Football Management Sims um, when I was uh, very young. Mm. Um, as mentioned last week, I had a Commodore Plus Four, and no, Mr. Gordon, that is not a golfing computer. <laughs> um, and so the the games that I could get were very limited. But I just the Football Management idea just didn't appeal to me at all. I wanted mm. to play um, an actual football match. I did. I, the concept of management to me was just just nuts. Mm. I mean. Why would you? It's like getting an office sim or something. You know? <laughs> so at the age of eleven, it just didn't appeal to me. So I did. I didn't play it until much later. Until I was, I'm trying to think. I was probably about seventeen, eighteen. I mean, what's that say about yeah. me? That I was eighteen, and suddenly the idea of playing a management sim did appeal to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so the first game I ever had wasn't a management sim at all. It was. I think I mentioned it last week. It was a, a game called. It was by Arctic Software, and I think it was just called World Cup. Oh, right. And it's possibly one of the most atrocious games you've ever seen. I mean, games back in in those days were fairly simple affairs anyway. Yeah. And and you know you'd what you would play for hours on end now you would probably do in about three seconds now just think what was all the fuss about? <laughs> yeah. But this was was truly horrendous. I mean, it it consisted of teams of one goalkeeper and two outfield players. I mean, you know the well known one. Yeah, exactly. The well known one 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 formation. <laughs> um. And I think whenever two players crossed, you used to get like kind of um, like graphical glitches in the old days. I think you used to get that on things like Manic Miner and stuff, and, and yes. Chucky Egg. Um, <laughs> and all, all the only way you could actually score was literally walk the ball into the net, and that, you couldn't pass because as soon as you passed, they'd intercept it. So the only way you could actually score was directly from kickoff, just walk up the pitch with the ball, possibly taking a slight deviation up the pitch and back down again. Don't pass because as soon as you pass, either they intercepted or on the rare occasion it would go to your other man. You would then take a shot at goal, at which point the goalie would do a Gordon Banks every single time, and I don't mean crash his car. I mean. <laughs> He would leap across the goal. Doesn't matter. He, he could have been off the pitch, and he would have still saved it. You know. like yeah. I mean, you can hear the bitterness in my voice here. <laughs> so the only way you could score is literally by walking the the ball into the net. And I I can't remember what you used to get as a celebration. I think it just used to say goal, 
and then there was the sound of someone crying somewhere. I think that was it. <laughs> that might be you, actually, the voice. <laughs> it probably was, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my introduction to the world of football gaming. And I remember being incredibly disappointed. Um, and I'm sorry to bring it up again, but Mexico 86 <laughs> and that. Um, uh, the first time I ever remember seeing any kind of football game was in, I think it was uh, HMV, hmm. and it was it was obviously the year of the World Cup, and it had a World Cup trophy on the front. I mean, that was just like mm-hmm. that was fantastic to me. I love that game, and I think it was actually a football management sim. So you know, it, hmm. there's this kind of promise of football action on the front. And you turn it over, and it looks what looks like spreadsheets on the back. It was, and, and it's just what <laughs> what what kind of message is that sending to a child? You know. <laughs> Good lord! Uh, because it's funny you say that um, um, that game that you, you refer to there. Because there's there is a game that I've been reminded of um, in in kind of scratching my head, knowing that we we're going to talk about computer games on this podcast. I was sort of thinking, okay, well there must be more than one or two games I played in my time, and indeed there were. But my memory was heavily jogged by a fantastic article uh, on a blog site. That I'm sure many of you listening will know two hundred percent. Um, which is uh, created and maintained and written for by the wonderful Ian King. And he wrote an article back in uh, April 2012 where he listed some of the fantastic games, computer games from years gone by. And as well as talking about Football Manager, there was a a couple of other titles and I suddenly thought, oh yeah, I owned these games. And one of them, it had, it was a black box, big sort of chunky cardboard box affair. And uh, I think, I'm absolutely sure it had could be wrong here I think he had the World Cup on the front with a kind of crowd scene in the background and it was called World Cup Carnival and um, as Ian said in his uh, in his excellent article um, it's now one of the most notoriously bad football games that's ever been produced in the history of home computing um, the story in a nutshell is that um, I don't know if you know about this actually Rich but um, it was a 1986 World Cup which makes me think this is this, this is the one maybe you were talking about or something similar 86 World Cup the the makers US Gold. There's one for you for you to remember, kids. I remember US Gold. In fact, I think that was the one that, yeah. that I remember seeing a lot of. Yeah, I do remember that game. <laughs> I just heard a gasp at your end. As <laughs> I think I may have yeah. touched a nerve there. Um, <laughs> US Gold decided we're going to make an official World Cup uh, game. So we're going to go to FIFA. We're going to get a license, and we're going to make it all official and above board. So they do that. FIFA amazingly say yes. Okay, here's your license. So really they, amazing was it or was it just the size of the brown envelope <laughs> yeah allegedly yeah <laughs> possibly this was this was pre-set blatter actually probably probably wasn't he wasn't president then he'd have been kind of second in command to Joao Havelange or whatever his name was anyway he'd have been on the greasy pole somewhere he'd have been on the greasy he'd have been checking the, the notes in the envelope yes <laughs> for sure sorry not really I'm talking about a different Mr Blatter um, yeah get the lawyers <laughs> so so FIFA say there you go there's your licence um, the US Gold's finest programmer or programmers then create this game and for reasons I can't quite remember I'm sure people will be able to correct me on this but I think it, it, it got turned down it got ditched because either maybe there were bugs in it or there were uh, the gameplay just wasn't very good or there was some kind of problem and they decided not to go with it but they thought we've got this license we've got to put out a game that was the whole point so they go through their back catalogue and see if there's any other games football games that they've got the rights to and they plucked from the shelf this kind of frankly crap uh, football game and they think well we'll just have to see if we can beef this up a bit and tweak it and see if we can make something of it uh, which they did and uh, they they published it complete with the the FIFA logo and you know officially licensed product and all that. And uh, if I remember rightly, 
um, older listeners will remember there were back in the day that you had Zap Magazine, which had games reviews for the Commodore 64, and you had Crash Magazine, which was for the Spectrum. And I think Crash reviewed it and gave it 26%, and Zap gave it 11%. And I think it had a combination of kind of team management and sort of arcade-style gameplay, and it was... I actually personally don't remember playing what it was like to play, but I'm, I have it on good authority. It's one of the worst games ever made. And yet it was a, a typical thing that you would see actually uh, quite a bit back then. If the game wasn't very good, they tried to make it up to you by putting extra stuff in and making the packaging a bit kind of nicer. So they kind of put all these extra bits and bobs in it. I remember owning it, but I don't remember playing it. So if there's anybody listening and you owned that particular game, do tell us what you remember about it. I suspect the memories aren't necessarily very good. But um, anyway, so from there on then, Richard, were you then kind of moving on to, what would that be, kind of, did you have a, an Amiga or a something like that, or a, an, an Atari ST? Given that my first computer was a Commodore Plus 4, the likelihood of me having such a well-known computer as the ST or the Amiga is highly unlikely. I uh-huh. I yearned for an Amiga or an ST for years, um, but it was not to be. My dad insisted on buying a PC. Mm-hmm. So in 1991, we we got our first PC, an Amstrad 286. Wow. Um, and in that, I mean... People these days, you know, the concept of PC games is just people take it as red. But in Mm. those days, PC gaming was virtually non-existent. I mean, for anyone that can remember the phrases um, CGA, EGA, and VGA, you will know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And in fact, and in fact, if you want to go on worse, Hercules. If anyone knows what that even means, then you know you have my commiserations. (laughs) So my, I, when I first got this PC, there were virtually no computer games for it at all for football. Hmm. Um, but I slowly started discovering them because it turns out that actually quite a lot were in existence hmm. but you just th- no sort of magazine ever reviewed them I think because they'd already all been written yeah. um, and I think most of them had actually been written in around about 1988 so you know they were already been really old yeah. yeah I mean I think the first one I ever got was one called Microprose Soccer uh, yeah yeah um, and it was a top-down view <coughs> and again um, similar to the, the earlier the World Cup one I mentioned um it seemed to have about four people on each team, <laughs> um, and it, it, it. But to be fair, it wasn't that bad, and mm. there were a few different ways you could score. But it was very sluggish, and th- it was hardly thrilling. Um, <laughs> but it, I, I, from what I remember as well, it had an indoor mode as well. You could do indoor ah, soccer, yeah. which the only. Th- real difference was that they'd put a board around the edge of the screen because you still only had about four players per side anyway and the ball used to ping around a lot quicker and don't tell me that that, the pitch was blue instead of green would that have been a a given yeah something like that yeah (laughs) exactly yeah and it was it was it just it was actually even worse than the main game um so i think that was the first one i ever had and then I, i discovered one called depending on which packaging it had i think it was originally released around about 1989 as italy 1990 and Mm -hmm. then i think i bought it when it was repackaged as like a budget range and i think it was called italia 90 or something um and that was a strange beast as well i mean that had kind of like scrolling up and down the pitch views Mm. but the views of the players were kind of um from an uh almost like an ice not an isometric point of view but from kind of almost if you were standing on top of the end stand oh right and Uh, then okay and it 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 wasn't the full screen either down the side of the of the screen you had a permanent scoreboard and a picture of a a ref who would change the animation to him blowing his whistle whenever (laughs) you went near one of the opposition because that was always a foul um and then when you got anywhere near the goal as soon as you got into the box the whole view changed and it changed to this kind of 
view of your uh, basically a view of the goal um, almost mm. like a sort of painting in the background and your player dithering around in front and you could just keep going left and right across the screen with the ball at your foot doing nothing until eventually either you could shoot in which case you almost certainly scored because it was dead easy to do it um, or eventually after about five minutes of dithering someone would eventually come and take the ball off you um, so my introduction or sorry my reintroduction to computer games uh, for football was just as bad as the introduction um, and it took years I think in all honesty, and it, it's going to crop up at some point, so we might as well get out of the way. The the king of all games that came along and changed everything was obviously Sensible Soccer. Ooh, yes. Mm. Mm. Uh, did you have that, Chris? Oh, I did. Yes, yes. In fact, um, I I became something of a uh, well, I wouldn't say an expert, but I I, I came quite became quite proficient at it. Um, and I mean, just to set the scene here, uh, I what I used to do between the ages of probably 15 and even probably into my early 20s what I tended to do at the weekend was go around to my friend's house I had a friend called Martin Lewis you may even be listening to this at some point hello Martin if you are um, you've just doubled our audience figures um, hello Martin <laughs> I, don't, I don't know you but hello anyway <clears throat> uh, that's probably a good thing uh, no, um, so I used to go around to his house at the weekends <clears throat> excuse me I had a bit of a blocked throat this evening I do apologise um, uh, he had an older brother Darren and they were both um, computer nuts they had loads of different computer systems and home computers they they had things like Sega Mega Drive, they had a Commodore 64 they had an Amiga they had a GameCube at some point they had loads of different systems they were just all over the whole computing thing and so therefore it was a very attractive proposition me going around there at the weekends because we'd just sit there all through Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon just playing games all the time and occasionally going over to the park if the weather was nice but um, you know and naturally enough I mean I ended up getting a Commodore Amiga at some point but Martin got there first with his brother and he got this game Kickoff which I'm sure a lot of people know know of made by Anko 1989 and that was a sort of top down arcade style you know game which really kind of broke the mould really and the playability of the whole thing was wonderful you only really had two teams one in red and one in blue and I think the key thing with that game was that when you dribbled with the ball, the ball didn't kind of stick to your feet as as it did in a lot of other games. You had to actually kind of concentrate and keep the ball in front of you, and you moved it by getting behind. It, if that makes sense, um, and Martin was brilliant at this game, and he used to thrash me incessantly. I'm not joking. Ninety nine percent of the time, I used to traipse home from his house, a mile and a half walk back home, and my head would be completely dropped every time thinking well that was a really productive positive afternoon wasn't it I'd just have been beaten you know 8-0 probably in practically every game and this went on and it's continued when Kickoff 2 came out <laughs> repeat the whole process finally Sensible Soccer came along and I thought okay we'll give this a try and I loved it and amazingly I don't, for the life of me I don't now remember why but I just found that I could play it a lot better than Kickoff or Kickoff 2 so much so that I was able to beat Martin probably about 65 to 70% of the time although he probably would um, argue those statistics but certainly I was able to just well not just beat him but beat him regularly and I loved it not necessarily beating uh, Martin at the game but I loved the game itself because there was so much functionality which I'm sure you remember I mean originally you could customise your kits you could have different wind settings seasonal weather pitches the lot it was just a brilliant brilliant game and easy to play dead easy to play 
It was. I mean, I mean, I did actually play Kickoff because my friend had an Atari ST, mm-hmm. and I hated Kickoff <laughs> because, despite the fact that I mean, that would have been before my PC game experience. So up until this point, my only experience, remember, was that Arctic <laughs> that game, which yeah. was, which I, I think I've covered, was terrible. Um, so, it, and it, but the problem I had with Kickoff was uh, the two things. One, as you mentioned, Chris, was the fact that the ball did not stick to your feet. Mm. Now, obviously, in real football, yes, the ball does not stick to mm. your feet. But this isn't real football, is it? It's <laughs> tiny little people, and it's a game. Yeah. So make it easy for me, all right? <laughs> Entertainment, I don't want, uh, Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't want to have the... the, the Everything that goes with football. I don't want abuse from the crowd when I'm playing. Either. I don't. I mean, you don't get when you buy the game and you don't get people to come around and stand next to you, hurling <laughs> abuse and calling you everything under the sun. So why do I have to not have the ball stick to my feet? And the other thing I remember that I couldn't stand when it was, it was bloody fast. It was, <laughs> it was the was. Mo- it was the most ridiculous speed game in the universe. Everyone was like Usain Bolt. <laughs> I have it and on good think, authority. Actually, I, just to butt in there just for a moment. I was looking on a, again by way of research. I was looking on a website earlier on today um, that did a review of the game, and it was taken from a magazine at the time. And it said, "The, uh, the this is about kickoff." Said the pitch is um, noticeably out of scale, and um, the 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 gameplay is incredibly quick. So much so, and I had to laugh at this next bit. It said, "You can run from one end of the pitch to the other in five seconds." <laughs> I just thought, how good is that? Or not? It's, as the case may be. Exactly, but I think that's what Sensible Soccer managed to do that kickoff couldn't. Yeah, is it made it just that little bit more controllable the ball didn't stick to your feet but it mostly did and it kind yeah. of it was that little bit of um i, I, I hate to say realism because it's it's almost mm. the opposite but it's it was that little bit more control that you had and it was a bit more it was fast as well mm. but it wasn't ridiculously fast so it kind of gave you that little bit more control and i suppose the learning curve was a lot shallower and so yeah. you i you know i could stick at things like more, I would, I would. St- I mean, I played sensible soccer endlessly, mm. and as you say, you could customize everything. You could have your custom teams, and I don't, I, I don't think there's a single one of the original teams left in my custom <laughs> selection. And I, I actually found it um, on. I had a backup of my original PC, my original 40 megabyte hard drive, Ooh. and I found a backup of it and loaded up sensible soccer and played it again and Aww. played with all the custom teams. It was fantastic. I'll bet. And, Playing it on a keyboard was infinitely easier than when I bought it recently for the Xbox because right. you could buy it, and it was just it was really difficult. I don't know what it is playing it with a controller, <laughs> but I found it incredibly um, difficult. And yeah. even if you played, say, like um, Brazil versus Andorra, obviously playing as Brazil, um, <laughs> even then it was. I, I think I still lost, <laughs> and I just it was almost like someone had ramped up the difficulty. Uh, uh, but just, the funny th- yeah, go on, sorry, go on. Say the funny, the, okay, if you insist, sir. Uh, the funny thing with it was is that you could actually they improved the graphics for it, but they not tinkered too much, thankfully. Hmm. Um, so it still looked like sensible soccer, but you could actually switch it back to the original graphics as well. Hmm. And I was playing this, and my daughter was watching me play it. My daughter and my stepson were watching me playing it, and they were like, "Why are you playing this?" <laughs> All right, because it's sensible soccer. It's great, and they were like. But it's so basic, and I was like, "I know." There, you great. have the joy it's, of the thing. <laughs> exactly, it's so simple. And, and I, my, my stepson had a go, and I said, and he was like, "Well, what are the controls?" And he has played, you know, FIFA and Pro Evo and stuff like that. So I was like, basically, forward is run, unless you're pointing the other way, in which case it's down, and then that button there is the only other button you need. That's kick, and and you can swerve the ball slightly as well. Yeah. And he was like, 
that is that it? I was like, yes. Where do I do exactly. my overhead bicycle kicks? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, how do I do like a, a sort of a, a, a rounding of someone? Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, you don't need to. That's all you need to do, and and it is infinitely playable, and still is now. Oh yeah. I, I I can only imagine. I, I say, oh yeah. I mean, it was just. I mean, I was lucky when I used to play the game around at uh, Martin's house. I mean, he had a couple of joysticks, so there's always the capability of you know playing, you know, human v human as it were, as opposed to playing the computer version. But um, it was just easy. And that thing you just mentioned, the aftertouch, the the swerve. Um, you could kind of pull back on the joystick as you're about to hit it, and it would kind of loop up in the air, or you could give it some extra sort of kick as it left your foot. You could sort of pull the joystick to the right or the left to give it a bit of extra swerve and that didn't come in on kickoff until the later versions actually I don't think that was there on the first uh, the initial version um, and also the other thing it was a very subtle thing actually but with sensible sock is that the ball sort of seemed the way it bounced it didn't have as much bounce or flight as it did in kickoff when you with kickoff you, you could kind of pull the joystick back and the ball ballooned up into the air <laughs> Uh, sort of unnaturally and okay yes I know this isn't you know neither game was a simulation but just somehow just seemed to work better on on sensible soccer it was a little bit sort of more natural and I've got to mention at this point Ed Carter who uh, some of you will know on uh, Twitter as uh, Dotmund Um, I heard from him today because we put on one of his articles onto the onto the blog site about um, his favorite five World Cup shirts which we may actually mention in a moment but um, in the course of discussing um, all of that um, he, he said, you know, he, he also used to like designing kits um, when he was younger. And in fact, he said the, the one thing that he used to love was if there was a football computer game, he would always sort of instinctively go to the bit where you could customise the kit. And in Sensible Soccer, you could do that. You could have striped kits, usually two colour kits, actually, to be fair. It wasn't exactly like you had a full choice of the colour palette, but um, two colours in stripes and hoops and a diagonal sash. Oh, brilliant. If only I could kind of, you know buy myself maybe I will just when we finish I'll just go on eBay and buy myself an Amiga and a, a copy of Sensible Soccer I think that's my that's, that's the rest of my week taken care of you should you should do it I, funnily enough as well when I again I, that Amstrad PC I had for a while and obviously within about two years it was obsolete completely mm. and I didn't touch computer game uh, PC gaming at all for years um, and I, I moved on to the PlayStation but when I did come back to PC gaming one of the first games I bought was Sensible Soccer I think this was about the year 2000 mm. or 1999 somewhere around there and they'd revamped it all yeah. and it was now like a kind of 3D version yes. and it was crap <laughs> it completely robbed the whole thing of the original uh, the the simplicity and the, the what the essence of what made it brilliant it, it was just lost mm. and it, it was just this clunky 3D thing which on my PC because it wasn't like a games PC or anything it was just it was slow and and there was mm. the control wasn't there and it was it just it just didn't work you know they just yeah. the, the joy of sensible soccer was the simplicity but as i said in between those two PCs i had a PlayStation which meant that I was now into the world of Pro Evo or FIFA. <laughs> and mm. I, my personal choice was always Pro Evo. Yes, it was uh, mine when I was getting into that era. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think nowadays FIFA is, is you know, certainly up there as, as one of the best, if not the best. Mm. Um, but at the time, they, they were two very distinct games because Pro Evo was very much the kind of purists. It, was, it yeah. felt much more like a real football game. And FIFA felt like a crap fest of sponsorship and 
and arcade um, fight for my liking. Yeah, it, it was just really bizarre. I always remember feeling with Pro Evo, you got the feeling that the players were on the pitch, whereas in FIFA, they seem to be floating about six inches above it. <laughs> and I seem to remember their boots looked like they were made out of shoe boxes or something. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it was a probably early version of it, but it just and th- there was t- there was too much emphasis on the technicalities, like kind of trying to do tricks and things like yeah. that. And it's just whereas Pro Evo, you could just play it purely and simply. I I, I really liked Pro Evo, and then as time went on, that kind of sort of I don't, it seemed to just wear off the novelty of it mm-hmm. all, and and just kind of it slid out of favour. Um, yeah, I I, I think I played up to version. Was it four or five? Maybe that's when I kind of dropped out of playing Pro Evolution Soccer, but but loved it. I remember going through a phase. I'd come home from work every night and sit there and kill a couple of hours of, of every evening until I realised I was getting so stressed playing it that I could barely sleep. So I thought it was probably a better, a good time to to knock it on the head at that point. But I mean, the the were I think the the forerunner to Pro Evo was I think something called International Superstar Soccer or oh, something, yes. which was yeah. which was the one of the first isometric ones that you could get. Mm. Um, and that I mean I, I've never got on very well with isometric games. They're just the control. Just my head just can't work it. No. It's just like hang on, if I'm pressing that, especially when you can actually adjust the controls so that if you press forward, it would run diagonally. <laughs> yeah, what's, yeah. what's that? I mean, how am I supposed to cope with that? Yeah, I'll, I'll you know, my my brain can barely cope with being awake, let alone you know <laughs> obscure angles. But I also had um, one of the one of my favourite games ever, football games, would have been act, the actual soccer series, oh, yeah. which I had on the PlayStation, um, and it was just fantastic. I, the, my favourite of the lot, I have to say, was the third and final one that they did, Actual Soccer Three, hmm. um, which the graphics were much improved on it. Um, and it, it, that was just again, that was a simplistic game. It the the ball felt. You know, like the the dynamics of it felt real, but you could bend the ball ridiculously, and it it was so easy to win as well. I mean, similarly, you you could choose any team you wanted, um, and I think at one point I got so good at the game, I ended up taking Wales from the bottom of the the fourth division in the sort of in the uh, actual soccer league, mm. and my final season, I literally took them up the four divisions in each season, and my final season, I won every single match, and the last match of the season was Brazil, and I thought, oh, this is going to be typical, isn't it? I'll get all the way through the season and lose the last match. No, I won 10-0. <laughs> what kind of game is this? Exactly, and that's the thing, it, but then it kind of reached the point where you just think, I can't really do any more with this, because it's now so ridiculously easy. I mean, even on the hardest setting as well, it was just... You just it runs out at that point. You have to stop playing. Yeah. So it was it was a bit of a shame. But you know, one thing I did want to ask you, Chris, mm. was if you had a choice of the two, would you prefer management sims or um, the action version the of football games? Of games. Um, probably the latter, actually, because I was going to mention this earlier on. I mean, the fact that I got into Football Manager first time around is ironic, actually. Sort of just talking about this incidentally, because today there's been a lot of mention in the news about the latest version of the yeah, the modern day Football Manager. Um, on what I believe they call the Xbox or something of that nature. Um, the what? <laughs> um, but the um, the original one that that is the only management game that I've ever really got into. Probably because it didn't go into too much detail. It literally was only like three criteria, three sort of ratings per player, and pick your best team and occasionally buy one or buy a player or sell a player, and that was about it. But I'm looking over people's shoulders playing football management games now I just it's, it is it is too much detail for me to comprehend I mean you talking about the advertising hoardings and things earlier on I was just like I just it's too much for me to cope with and I, I probably would rather just play a game 
um, and, and actually move the players around on the pitch. I think that's more my preference. Uh, would you go for the other? I I can't honestly say because um, I think nowadays I I absolutely adored playing Premier Manager, but it was on a PC, so you're sitting there with a mouse and a keyboard, mm. and there's something that feels more natural about that than sitting playing a management sim on an Xbox or something, mm. which is where I play most of my games now. And so I find, I mean, I, I obviously in the latest FIFA version, you can do the management side of it. Yeah. Um, and I downloaded that. I got that. I downloaded it for Christmas and played it on my iPod. And it's just, I found it relentlessly hard. You know, it's just like I preferred the simplicity, like you did. I mean, you prefer the simplicity of having just like three player ratings or sort of skill levels. Yeah. I, I, I liked the sort of Premier Manager where you could set the advertising hoardings and build up the stadium because it was a little bit more. Mm. But at the same time, anything more than that, I, I don't really want to know. I don't, I don't want to be having to search for players every week and, you know, kind of checking up the, the guy's fitness levels and whether his cat's had a, a broken leg or something. It's just like, it's too detailed. <laughs> that That is an option in FIFA 14. Ah. Um, it's, uh, I, I read a secret document today. Well, that's that's interesting. Uh, there you go. You yeah. heard it here first, everyone. Yeah. Pet welfare. That's the latest <laughs> thing. You know, Never mind whether he's a star performer. It's whether his dog's got, you know, a disease. <laughs> um, I might I might have made that up. <laughs> no, no, you sold it to me. I'm going out now to buy a copy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's an add-on pack. Um, 200 Microsoft points. Um, <laughs> but I, I find these days that, that they're, again, they're, it's almost like they've lost sight of the fact it's a game. Mm. And, and it's almost like they're trying to be as realistic as possible. It's yeah. like, I don't want a game to be as realistic as possible I suppose that's the difference between a game and a simulation isn't it and yeah. the problem is there aren't really any football management games these days they're all simulations and they're trying to be they're trying to out realistic the others mm. so I, I, I couldn't frankly care about you know 15 different fitness levels and whether the, the guy's ankle's a bit swollen it's too much you yeah. know and I played one season of obviously it's Coventry City um and we, I think we almost got promoted um, in my first season. Well, that but was a realistic game. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But the stupid thing was, on the one hand, you've got this ri- ridiculous level of realism. And then at the, on the other hand, you've got this almost stupid level of, of unrealism. Because at the same time, I, the only time I would ever hear from the owners was when they kept telling me that I needed to do better than I was already doing. Which, considering it was Coventry City, mm-hmm. you know, I think they were being—I think they were taking the mick, really. <laughs> and and the second thing is, the only other time I'd hear from them was when they kept telling me that I needed to either buy more players or raise money. Now. There are no ways to raise money in FIFA on the iPod, as I found out, other than selling players. Right. So what happened was I managed to finish the season and in about sixth place or something, didn't get promoted. Start the second season, I've got a squad of 13 players because the first two weeks I've had to sell most of them um, purely to actually make the money because yeah. my, my balance sheet was like minus three million and they're going, you've got to make this money. Three weeks into the season, I was sacked. It's like, <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> is this Coventry City the Ron Atkinson years? <laughs> I think it's Coventry City any year. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, uh, brilliant brilliant memories actually playing games. As, as ever, I suspect we'll be saying this every time we do a podcast. We could be talking about this for yonks and yonks. There's so many games I could even talk about that I did, haven't mentioned already. But um, we'll, we'll, as I said last time around, we'll keep our powder dry and we'll maybe deal with that on another, another podcast. But... Um, Yes, um, we were going to have a break, weren't we, on this uh, on this podcast? We were t- toying with the idea of innovating and having a bit of a break, but I guess we're nearly through to 40 minutes already, so what shall we do now? 
I, I think we should just probably uh, aim towards wrapping it up. I think uh, I think we don't want to stretch people's patience too much. Um, no, indeed. I, th- I think there's a couple of bits of admin to do first. Yes. Um, uh, League of Blogs posters shall now soon be available. Great. I finally finally managed to find somewhere that I could get a half-decent size with the things for a half-decent price. So uh, I finally managed to order those. I ordered those last night, and they should hopefully be arriving in about the next sort of week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, prices, if anyone does still want one. Does anyone remember the League of Blogs still? Because <laughs> um, it's a dead horse that I'm still flogging. Um, so if anyone does still want one of those, uh, I'll put details up once I've actually got them back and sort of just given the quality a check. Um and I think we were—I think we were going to mention the the five world, the top five World Cup shirts, which I think you've already covered. But yeah. um, just the the reaction we've had on that has been fantastic, and yes. it's been really interesting to see people's choices. Although if people, if the next person submits it, also sub, sort of chooses Peru, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just I'm going to go on strike. Now, actually, the the aforementioned Ed Carter did make a fair point to me uh, when I spoke to him on email earlier on today. He said that essentially Peru have. Uh, the, the the best football kit design in the world and I had suggested that they should have automatic qualification to every World Cup on that basis which I don't think anybody's going to argue with uh, but nonetheless when it comes to this particular feature it's starting to get a bit repetitive so yes if you could choose something other than Peru because we've had I think there's two two Peru kits we've had so far Ed, yeah, Ed has gone have. for the 82 Peru kit and um, who has gone for 78 I think that was Al Gordon I think it was. Although yeah. to be fair, what's the difference? Well, really, as, as Ed come said, on, come on, people. What's the collar? difference? <laughs> you know. And although uh, that said, considering I picked Brazil based purely on their collar <laughs> and V-neck over the round neck, so I, I should shut up, really. No, but it's, it's interesting actually. We've had uh, there's been my one, uh, my selection of five, your selection of five, and we had three others from Al Gordon, uh, Ed Carter, and Rich Nelson. And we thank the three of you uh, if you're listening in for your su- su- submissions, and indeed to anybody else who wants to send in their their favourite five, it's, that would be wonderful. Um, but it's in- interesting when you look at the selections that have been made so far. There is a little bit of repetition because we've got, as I say, we've had a couple of Peru kits, but there's also been a couple of Brazil kits. Uh, I think we've had a couple of England kits or France kits. I think we've had we've had France and home and away. So it's it's kind of interesting. And, and, and the thing as well, as I noticed when I was kind of writing my article and choosing my favourite five World Cup uh, shirts, um, is that I think um, four out of my five were white, predominantly white kits, and a lot of the other selections that other people have made have also been white as well so there's, I don't know if there is a theory there we should probably get John Devlin in from True Colours and, and put the question to him because he's certainly a, someone who can speak with more authority on this thing but sometimes I think a white kit lends itself better to being a classic in the future I don't know maybe um, you uh, our humble listeners listening in have got an opinion in which case uh, get in touch with us on that but um, but thanks for your interest and, and keep those submissions coming in those suggestions and uh, pick your own favourite five by all means indeed but don't pick Peru <laughs> from or else, or else we won't put it on the site no. <laughs> um, um, I was going to say I, I think uh, yeah the, the Denmark one is has been an obvious one that people have immediately gone for obviously yes. you went for the away kit the white. Uh, which was which was quite yeah. surprising actually and it's it's, a, it's quite a rare shirt funny you should mention that as at the time that you were actually writing that I was actually bidding on one <laughs> on eBay um, which I think in the end went for about 60 odd quid Ooh. 
Um, but I, I kind of pulled out at around about the thirty pound mark because mm. the, most of the most of the Hummel lettering had fallen off. So yes, all but I, I do I I do have a red version though, which I bought off eBay a couple of years ago, and it is a fantastic kit. Yeah, it's it's um, I, I nearly went for the red one. Um, and and what's interesting actually with Denmark in the eighty six World Cup is that they kind of had, I think for the three game three or four games they played, they had almost a different ensemble each time. They had sort of the all white kit in one one or two games. Had the all red in one or two, and then I think there was one game where they wore the white shirts and the red shorts, and they, even that looked good. It was just a brilliant design by Hummel, and as you know, of course yourself, um, it was the, the the template, the whole kind of half and half pinstripe thing was uh, rolled out in many colours, different clubs, including Coventry City, plus uh, Aston Villa and Southampton, and lots of other teams. It was a it was a classic design, and no mistake. Indeed, and actually, um, one of the other sort of well-known classic designs that actually did get rolled out an awful lot and was used all over the place, as I found out recently, the the Holland 88 one, which is obviously Ah. Russia 88, and also, sorry, Soviet Union 88, (laughs) and of course, um, Germany's Awake in 1990, it was used all over the place, because I have about six different versions of it. (laughs) Um, I've got it in yellow, in dark blue, light blue. Um, I think I've got a red one as well. And basically, a lot of German non-league teams at the time mm-hmm. had that kit. Oh, wow. So it's really surprising because it's obviously considered as one of the classic designs. And yet, again, I mean, I've had this conversation. I've, I've mentioned this to John Devlin before. Um, the fact that you will get a lot of people these days saying, oh, you know, look at this kit. It's another template design. Coventry's mm-hmm. this year is a, is a Puma template yeah. kit, which Cardiff have also got, mm-hmm. um, and quite a lot of other teams. And people always moan and, and, and go on about it and say, oh, yeah, we don't like templates, blah, blah, blah. But when you go back to the, the, the mid-'80s, the templates were all over the place. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. Man United's kits um, in, I think, about around about 86, 87, their kit, I mean, their their home kit, their away kit, and their third kit were all exactly the same kit, but just different <laughs> colours. <laughs> and it was also the same kit used by about five other teams. And it's, like, you know, templates have always been there. But um, having said that, I think we should possibly keep this for possibly the next pod- podcast. Yeah, I was just going to say, the only thing I was just going to add to that was just that um, I think uh, our friend Rich Nelson picked the West Germany away kit as one of his favourite five World Cup shirts, sorry, the shirt as one of his favourite five World Cup shirts, and um, and just the fact that we that particular template the one with the kind of strange diagonal shadow pattern, uh, we didn't see much of that in England, did we, strangely enough, and yet as you say no. it was in Germany it was rife, it was everywhere but um, yeah, maybe we'll talk about, I think probably in the next podcast we do, we are going to be talking about football kit design, aren't we? And uh, maybe we could uh, reserve a section for, for template kits as well, some of the best and, and worst ones down the years. That's a, There's a suggestion from me. Indeed, and uh, obviously if anyone wants to uh, get in touch um, to s- talk about anything that we've talked about today or, of course, any um, their favourite and their most hated football kits, um, please do get in touch. Uh, you can email us at admin at thefootballattic.com or, of course, co- uh, catch us on Twitter at, at footballattic. Um, and I'd say that's about it. Yes, um, one final thing. If you've been trying to get to the website by using www.thefootballattic.com or indeed the same thing but without the www and you've been having trouble in this last week or two apologies from us we've been having a few technical issues but we think we've sorted it out now so that should work um, one technic- technical issue that remains is that we're having trouble getting our podcast onto iTunes because they've recently changed the way that you submit a podcast and that's causing us all manner of problems so for the time being you're going to have to make do with downloading this podcast
podcast from www.thefootballattic.com. So apologies if we can fix that in the future. We will. Hopefully we'll be able to in the not-too-distant future. But uh, for the time being, apologies on that. Indeed. Um, so I think at that point, Chris, should we wrap up? I reckon so. Yeah, it's been good. It has indeed. Um, so as we say, if you want to get in touch, please do. Um, we very much value your feedback. So um, until next time, it's good night from me. And it's good night from me. And we'll see you next time on The Football Attic. Bye-bye. Thank you.